On today's episode of the Her Historically Podcast, I'm talking about Renee Richards. So two caveats for this episode. I will be referring briefly to Renee's given birth name at the beginning of the episode. And there are outdated terms used in this episode, such as transsexualism. I know that that's not what we refer to it as today, but it is what it was called in that time. And so I will be using it contextually while I talk about her story. Renee is a former tennis player and she is the first transgender athlete in pro sports. Renee Richards was born August 19th, 1934 as Richard Raskin in New York City and raised as, as she puts it, a quote, nice Jewish boy in Forest Hill, Queens. Her parents were Russian immigrants and both were doctors with her dad being an orthopedic surgeon and her mother being one of the first female psychiatrists in the U.S. in addition to being a professor at Columbia University. Renee attended Horace Mann School and excelled at a wide variety of sports, including being wide receiver for the football team, pitcher for the baseball team, and in tennis and swim. Her baseball skills even led to an invitation to join the New York Yankees, but she decided to focus on tennis instead. After high school, Renee attended Yale University and was captain of the men's tennis team and was considered by some to be one of the best college tennis players in the country. She was captain of the team and one of the few Jewish people admitted into a secret society at Yale. After graduating from Yale, she went to the University of Rochester Medical School and specialized in ophthalmology, specifically in eye muscle surgery and correcting double vision. She would graduate in 1959 and served a two-year internship at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York. After her internship, she served two years of residency at the Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital. She also played competitive tennis and competed in the U.S. Open five times between 1953 and 1960 and was ranked sixth out of the top 20 males over 35. After her residency, she would enlist in the Navy and won both the singles and doubles in the All-Navy Championship. She was ranked as high as fourth in the region. During college, Renee began dressing as a woman, which at the time was considered to be a perversion, with transsexualism classified as a form of insanity. Renee named her female persona Renee, which is French for reborn. Her struggle with gender identity created sexual confusion, depression, and suicidal tendencies, and she began seeing Dr. Charles Enfield, who was a disciple of Harry Benjamin, who specialized in enchronology, transsexualism, and sexual reassignment. She began to get hormone injections and had the long-term goal of sex reassignment surgery. In the 1960s, she even traveled to Europe dressed as a woman, and she intended to go to North Africa to see Georges Barreau, who was a famous gynecological surgeon at Clinique Park in Casablanca, Morocco, regarding her sex reassignment surgery. But she ultimately decided against it and returned to New York, where she married model Barbara Mole in June of 1970. And together, they had a son, Nicholas, in 1972. They would, however, divorce in 1975. By 1975, she would ultimately undergo that sex reassignment surgery and was referred to surgeon Roberto Granado Sr. and would successfully transition by the end of that year. After surgery, Renee went to Newport Beach, California and started working as an anthemologist and practiced with another doctor. However, sport was a refuge for Renee after she moved to California and she would play in regional competitions for her local club, the John Wayne Texas Club, under the name Renee Clark. Her unique left-hand serve was recognized by Bob Perry, a tour player from UCLA. At the age of 41 in 1976, she would win a tournament in La Jolla, 
And a local TV anchor, Richard Carlson, who coincidentally is the father of Tucker Carlson, was tipped off by someone in the crowd and effectively outed Renee. Headlines would read, women's winner was a man. And it became a national storyline. Soon after, the U.S. Tennis Association and the Women's Tennis Association and the United States Open Committee would require all female competitors to verify their sex with the bar test of their chromosomes. Jean Scott, who was a tennis promoter and briefly overlapped with Renee at Yale, pushed back and invited her to play in the Tennis Week Open in South Orange, New Jersey. When she was accepted, 25 players in the field promptly withdrew, claiming that Renee still had, quote, the muscular advantages of a man. Renee applied to play in the U.S. Open in 1976 as a woman, but refused to take the test and thus was not allowed to compete in the Open, Wimbledon, or the Italian Open in the summer of 1976. This was also the same summer that another future transgender athlete would win the Olympic decathlon, Caitlyn Jenner. Renee sued the U.S. Tennis Association, which runs the U.S. Open in New York State Court, alleging discrimination by gender and violation of the New York human rights law. She said that participating in the tournament would constitute a, quote, acceptance of her right to be a woman. She conceded that she did have certain advantages. She was 6'2", but she also said that she was in her 40s and she wasn't as good as some younger players. Some U.S. Tennis Association members felt that Others would try to undergo sex changes to enter women's tennis, which is not unlike what we hear today about transgender athletes. Sports Illustrated at the time called Renee an extraordinary spectacle and characterized reactions to her from, quote, varying from astonishment to suspicion, sympathy, resentment, and more often than not, utter confusion. The U.S. Open Committee stated that there was a competitive advantage for a male who had undergone sex change surgery as a result of physically training and developing as a male. Renee would finally agree to take the bar body test and the results were ambiguous. She refused to take the test again and was barred from playing. The U.S. Tennis Association would deploy a battery of experts and mounted a defense that relied on junk science and the Cold War hysterics of the time. The group's lawyer would raise the specter of, quote, worldwide experiments, especially in Iron Curtain countries, to produce athletic stars by means undreamed of a few years ago. Renee would make her case with just two affidavits, one from the doctor who performed her surgery and the other from famous tennis player Billie Jean King. Both would attest to the fact that at that point she was a woman and deserved to play with other women. On August 16, 1977, Judge Alfred Asconi would find in Richard's favor in a 13-point decision. He ruled that Renee was a woman and that requiring her to pass the bar body test was, quote, grossly unfair, discriminatory and inequitable and a violation of her rights. He also rejected the U.S. Tennis Association's claim that allowing transsexual players to compete would unleash an army of male athletes seeking gender reassignment. He would say, quote, when an individual such as plaintiff, a successful physician, a husband and a father finds it necessary for his own mental sanity to undergo a sex reassignment, the unfounded fears and misconceptions of defendants must give way to the overwhelming medical evidence that this person is now female. He also ruled that the U.S. Tennis Association intentionally discriminated against Renee 
and granted her an injunction against the U.S. Tennis Association and the U.S. Open Committee, allowing her to play in the U.S. Open. Two weeks after that decision was handed down, Renee would enter the U.S. Open, but would lose in the first round to Virginia Wade, who had won Wimbledon a few weeks earlier. She did, however, make it to the finals in doubles with her partner Betty Ann Stewart, but would ultimately lose. After four more years on the tennis circuit and only briefly cracking the top 20, Renee will retire at the age of 47. In the years after her retirement, she built up her practice and performed more than 20,000 eye surgeries. She became the surgeon director of ophthalmology and head of the eye muscle clinic at the Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital. She would travel and she began a decades-long friendship with Judge Lasconi's daughter, Diane, bonding over human decency. She wrote two memoirs and was the subject of a documentary, Renee, in 2011, as well as a TV biopic called Second Serve that came out in 1986. She takes pride that her life would assume many dimensions beyond being a prominent transgendered athlete. Perhaps because of this fierce individualism that guided her to undergo sex reassignment at a time when most people had no idea that such a surgery existed, she actually resists the talking points of the trans movement and believes firmly that gender is binary. She's quoted as saying, I like the difference between men and women. I like the concept of male and female. She has a skepticism of trans athletes who compete without gender reassignment and does not believe in the gender fluidity that is at the core of the trans movement. She does, however, know correctly that after her decision, men did not batter down the women's locker room doors. In all, there have only been a few transgendered athletes in sports ranging from golf to mixed martial arts, but none have competed at Renee's level. She's expressed ambivalence about her legacy and has come to believe that her past as a man provided her with advantages over her competitors, saying, quote, having lived for the past 30 years, I know if I'd had surgery at the age of 22 and then at 24 went on the tour, no genetic woman in the world would have been able to come close to me. She lives currently in a small town north of New York City with her platonic companion Arlene. In 2014, a wooden rocket used by her was donated to the National Museum of American History, which is part of the Smithsonian Institute. Obviously, Renee has a complicated story when it comes to transgendered rights and the current movement that goes on today. But she did break barriers as the first transgendered woman in professional sports. There's no doubt that we wouldn't be able to have the conversations we have today about transgendered athletes without telling Renee's story. So if you've never heard of Renee Richards, then her story is definitely one you should know. Thank you for joining me on an incredible journey through history with today's story. If you want to take a deeper dive into any of the women that I talk about on the podcast, you can visit historicallypodcast.com. There you can find additional resources and you can also let me know about women you want to hear about on the show. Make sure you subscribe to stay updated on future episodes and don't forget to leave a review and let me know how I'm doing. Thank you for being part of today's historical journey. And until next time, remember that her story is one you should know.